1: Fascist playbook rule number one, accuse the opposition of what you're doing. That is the topic we'll discuss today right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. The Christian Worldview is a nonprofit, listener-supported radio ministry. Thanks to you, our listeners, for your prayer, your encouragement, and your support. You can connect with us by calling toll-free 2233 writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331, or visiting thechristianworldview.org. In contradiction to President Biden's promise to unify the country after the 2020 election, remember the inauguration speech? He and his administration have made the decision to accuse who he calls mega Republicans, Trump voters, as enemies of the state and the cause of all that ails America. He recently labeled Trump supporters as semi-fascists and then gave a fascist-looking and fascist-sounding speech in Philadelphia with blood-red lighting and two U.S. Marines behind him with an upward camera angle, with an angry look in his eye, blaming and vilifying those who oppose him. Robert Knight, columnist for the Washington Times, joins us today in the Christian Worldview to explain what's behind this ominous move by the federal government. Also, General Michael Flynn, who served 33 years in the U.S. Army and was U.S. National Security Advisor to President Trump, will join us to explain why he and other conservatives are relentlessly attacked and vilified. General Flynn is the keynote speaker at the Citizens' Council for Health Freedom event on Thursday, September 15th in Oakdale, Minnesota. We'll tell you more about that today. But before we get to Robert Knight and General Flynn, we have one segment left with Pastor Travis Allen as we discuss the drift taking place in evangelicalism and the call to remain faithful in the myths of the compromise. Travis, you go into the doctrinal drift that's taken place within evangelicalism. Building and maintaining parachurch organizations, you say, in the megachurch institutions requires unity and a whole lot of money. Everyone stays united and donors keep giving when doctrinal and theological differences are minimized and ignored for the sake of the mission. And then you go on to say, uh, being groomed to turn away from Scripture for sake of unity and keeping the the parachurch going— They're open for errors pertaining to important truths like imputation, justification, and atonement regard to the gospel. Errors about the nature of God. You get open theism. They deny the immutability of God, that that he doesn't change. Impassibility, divine simplicity, some of these really core fundamental doctrines of God. It is legitimate to question whether some evangelical churches are proclaiming the same God. Then you go on to say, last paragraph, no wonder these godless ideologies like critical race theory, cultural Marxism, postmodernism, wokeism, feminism, and now LGBTQism, godless ideologies have infiltrated churches like Rick Warren's Saddleback Church, Matt Chandler's Village Church in Texas. And just by the way, Matt Chandler has come out in the news that he's been placed on leave, I don't know for how long, due to inappropriate messaging with a woman at his church who's not his wife. David Platt, McLean Bible Church, we covered that story uh, last year in the program. Uh, They've infiltrated parachurch organizations like CREW and other campus ministries. They infiltrated the SBC as well. And then I'll just add a few to this. What's been infiltrated is the Christian publishing industry, the Christian music industry, uh, the evangelical conference industry, Christian higher education. So you look at all these things, Travis— and you think, how can a believer today wade their way through this, or maybe even a a younger believer in their faith who doesn't have a sharp discernment yet, how are they able to find a doctrinally sound church or doctrinally sound Christian leaders that they can listen to and from which they can grow?
2: Let me answer that in two ways. First of all, by saying that every Christian has a responsibility to know the truth and understand the truth. And to understand it deeply, when God told Israel in Deuteronomy 6, he gave Israel as an entire people, not just Moses and Aaron, not just the leadership, but the entire body of people, he gave them the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That's a statement of divine simplicity. It's a statement of the nature of God and the essence of God. And after giving the Shema of Israel, it's, you know, God goes on to say, and you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And, and you shall teach about this God to your children and talk about this God when you lie down and when you get up and when you walk along the way. So basically everything in life is an opportunity to talk about and teach about this God that you love, this God that you affirm, that you confess. So, It's the responsibility of every single believer to know God, to love him, to be driven in in a passionate worship of him, to line up their life in obedience to his word, to his commands, not because his commands are burdensome, but because it's a joy to do what God says. It's absolute freedom to walk in the path of his commands, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119. So it's the responsibility of every Christian to know God, to love God, to worship him, to obey him. And when they do that, that's going to take them into scripture. In order to know and love God, you have to read his word. You have to see what he reveals about himself, who he is, what he's like. The more a Christian immerses himself and herself into the word of God, they're going to be searching out like-minded people who do the same thing, who think the same way. They're going to look at churches in that way. Sometimes we like to point the finger at the institutions, and the churches, and the parachurch, and the seminaries, and all that, and there certainly is plenty of culpabilities to spread around. We're all guilty of this. But I think that we need to go back to the individual responsibility of every single Christian to know their Bible, to know their God, to love Him, worship Him, obey Him, and discern truth from error. Now, a good church is going to help you to discern truth from error. A good pastor, good elders in your church are going to help you Grow in depth of understanding and to understand by comparison and by contrast, who God is and what He's like, who Christ is and what He's like, what the true gospel is in contrast to false gospels. That's what a church ought to be doing is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So before you move to another city, before you take a new job, before you consider an opportunity, you make sure that there is a sound local church there that you can move to and build your life around that you can support and is going to instruct you in the faith and teach you and equip you for the work of the ministry, because that's really what your life is about is the work of the ministry. The job is a means to that and, and, uh, and an outworking of that, but you are there to be equipped. So make sure you find a sound church and then build your life around it. And I would say, I would go so far as to say, if you can't find a good church, a good sound church, don't take that job. Don't take that opportunity. It's not worth it. It's like living in the middle of the Sahara with a great fat salary, but nowhere to spend your money. You've got no, you've got no water. You've got no food. You're just going to die in the desert. Mm. So don't do that. Don't do that. Find a good, strong church because it's a source of life and nourishment and, and can be watering your soul and you build your life around that. And how practically, how can you do that? You know, the master's seminary has a church search on its website that you can find faithful men who have gone out from the Master's Seminary, you still need to check all those churches with discernment because just because they go through a certain seminary doesn't mean they all bear that doctrine, continue with that doctrine. Well, as we've been discussing, uh, you can go to the Founders website, founders.org, and check the churches that are aligned with Tom Askell and his, his ministry there. They're, they're going to be doctrinally confessionally sound churches and holding to whether it's the Westminster Confession of Faith or the, the 1689 London Baptist Confession. They're going to be churches that it's a good start to check a church on those websites and see what they recommend, and that'll that'll shorten your list, definitely.
1: Travis Allen again with us today here on The Christian Real View, the pastor of Grace Church in Greeley, Colorado. A link to his church you can find at our website, thechristianrealview.org. You talk about other evidences of drift. You talk about an ethical drift that has taken place within evangelicalism. And you give the example of the uh, immediate past president of the Southern Baptist Convention, how Ed Litton actually stayed in office for a year after clearly plagiarizing sermons, many of them, from the past president before him, J.D. Greer. There were sexual abuse scandals that weren't really, haven't really been addressed Uh, Well, you talk about the fact that there's been no—the doctrine of church discipline in Matthew 18 and elsewhere is just a forgotten doctrine of Scripture. The next point about the drift is an ethical drift leads to, number seven, a political rather than a righteous, God-fearing response to moral and ethical problems. And and you say that the larger the megachurch or the parachurch— They have a, quote, too big to fail mentality. Too many interested parties with with too much to lose in terms of jobs and donations and brand reputation. Uh, Since megachurch and parachurch bureaucracies cannot deal with these challenges biblically or theologically, since they are biblically unqualified, ethically incompetent, they are ill equipped to deal with these issues of ethical problems righteously. So they default to what they know protect the brand do damage control, manage the situation for the best post-crisis. And as I read that, Travis, you just see that over and over again take place. You know, just like a political scandal. You just kind of weather the storm for a while and get things up and running again. You also point out that just as the apostate leadership of Christ's day, the religious Jewish leaders persecuted Christ and the Apostles, Same with the Reformers during the Reformation by the Roman Catholic Church. A similar dynamic occurs today with apostate or at minimum biblically errant evangelical leaders marginalizing those who want to be faithful to God in his word. Let's talk about that marginalization and persecution of believers, of those who hold to the fundamental tenets of Scripture, and how you say in your message that you think— there is going to be more of that coming. Uh, In other words, an increasing intolerance of true Christianity to the point of persecution, whether it's a soft persecution or a violent persecution. Explain about how that dynamic you think is likely to occur.
2: The strongest persecutors are those whose consciences are settled with the harshness and the violence of their torment toward others. And so you see, like the Apostle Paul, he counts himself as the chief of sinners because he was so settled in his conscience that he was doing right before God, that he even persecuted the true church of God. He persecuted the people who followed and loved Jesus Christ. That was how blind he was. And he sees himself as the chief of of sinners because he committed the, the greatest sins against Christ and his people. He was totally blind to his position because he thought he was right. And so the more people think that they're right, and that's, that's going to be fueled by a religious zeal. That's why we see in this whole social justice movement, there is a religious zeal factor that has upped the ante with regard to their hatred of, you know, true Christians. So I think in one place in that message, I quote C.S. Lewis who says, those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. I think Hmm. that's the dynamic going on in, you know, the persecution, whether it's Muslim persecution of people in in their countries, and and especially Christians, and killing them, or whether it's the Roman Catholic persecution against the Protestants, or whether it's some of the Reformers persecuting the Anabaptists, or whether, you know, whatever it is. In the conscience, the person feels like they are approved by God. They go forward, full steam ahead, 100 miles an hour, to persecute that believer.
1: Travis Allen with us today here on The Christian Real View. You conclude your message uh, with an exposition of the last chapter of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66. And you said, this passage is bad news for evangelical elites— the architects and managers of big evangelicalism, institutional evangelicals who have wandered from the truth. There's a warning for those who embrace an apostatizing form of religion. I'm just going to read the first two verses in Isaiah 66. This is what the Lord says, Isaiah writes, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Verse 2. Has not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being, declares the Lord? These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. You say in your message, Travis, that the apostate majority thinks God favors them, that God accepts their external religion. They think he sees all the good they do, and that God's pleased. And you say, keep in mind, these, these evangelical leaders are the moral upstanding people in society. They are the seminary presidents, institutional leaders, highly sought after conference speakers. The time Paul described is upon us when men do not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled they accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, Travis, you bring out four points of an exposition from this passage explaining how God rebukes, God rejects, and God recompenses this apostate majority. And then the fourth point is how God rewards the righteous minority. And there in verse two, but this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble in contrite in spirit and trembles at my word in these precious virtues you say in God's sight of this righteous minority this righteous remnant virtues of humility contrition and the fear of the lord so explain in this dynamic of how god rebukes rejects and recompenses the apostate majority but at the same time he rewards the righteous minority
2: So this dynamic taking place of uh, God's treatment of the majority versus the minority is just an evidence that our God is a just and holy God, that he maintains his standard of righteousness, and he expects that all his creatures must conform to him, not the other way around. The majority wants God to conform to them god to fit their preferences or their opinions or their their lifestyle the minority says and this is by god's grace that the minority thinks this way they're no better than the majority they have the same sinful impulses the same sin nature the same tendency the same temptations distractions but god by his grace has caused these to be born again by the spirit to be regenerated to have a new nature that now sees God clearly that loves him and loves righteousness and hates sin and wants to repent. And so this minority, because God has been gracious to them because they have a new nature, they now see things differently and they see that I am in danger. I must repent for my sin. I love this God that I'm seeing and learning about and by God's grace. And this is the, this is the grace of the gospel that God sent his one and only son to be the propitiation for their sins, to be the substituting sacrifice on the cross, to atone for their sins, to cover over their, for their sins, and to forgive. And so they have been reconciled to God by the death of Christ. They've been covered with his righteousness, and they stand before God lacking nothing. They're complete in Christ, and they stand before God, Ephesians 1.6, accepted in the beloved. So God brings them close, and this minority says, I must conform myself to God. I must pursue Him. I must long to see His life coursing through my life. And my life is a conduit of his to other people. And that's, that's what we see in Jesus Christ, is He was the perfect divine representative. He came to earth to preach God to us, to tell us the truth about Him, about His ways, about, to tell us the truth about us, about our sin, about our need for God. That's why God favors this minority, this minority that draws near to him and conforms to him rather than the other way around. The majority is always going to pursue its own way. The majority is always going to to love this world and the things of the world. The majority is always going to love God's gifts rather than the God who gives. And so God does not accept their false religion, doesn't accept their attempts to come to him in their own way, doesn't accept their man-centeredness. He doesn't affirm them Rather, they remain under His condemnation. And so it's so important that we get that Isaiah 66 passage right and see that in every generation, there's the majority and then there's a the minority. We must come to God on His terms.
1: Thank you for concluding our uh, interview that way, Travis, just exhorting us and urging us to really have an a unshakable fidelity to God, to Christ, to His Word, to be led by the Holy Spirit and not be tempted into this, this broad road that really leads to destruction, even though it's outwardly, quote-unquote, evangelical. So we just thank you, Travis, for all you're doing to faithfully preach the Word. And uh, we just pray all of God's best to you and your family in Grace Church in Greeley, Colorado. Thank you for coming on the Christian Review radio program.
2: Been such a pleasure, David, and appreciate everything that you're doing for the same cause, serving the same Lord, the same God. It's a joy to do it with you and do it with a friend.
1: All right, so appreciate
2: Pastor Travis Allen. If you missed the previous two
1: parts of the interview with him, just go to our website, thechristianworldview.org. We need to take a brief break, but coming up after this will be the conversation with Robert Knight, columnist for the Washington Times. About what's behind the vilification of tens of millions of Americans by the Biden administration. Scripture commands that children are to be brought up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Offering biblically sound resources for children is one of our top ministry priorities. At our store at thechristianrealview.org, you will find carefully selected children's Bibles and books, along with video and audio resources. Check out the Bible infographics for kids' books. Little Pilgrim's Progress, in the popular Adam Raccoon set. Theo is a 15-episode video series addressing key doctrines of the faith that is a must-see for children and adults. Satan and the world are bent on capturing the heart and mind of your child. Instead, get sound resources that will train them up in the way they should go. Browse and order at thechristianworldview.org or give us a call for recommendations at one 646 2233 That's 1-888-646-2233 or thechristianworldview.org. For a limited time, we are offering My Boy Ben for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. The book is the true story of a yellow lab that I had back when I was competing on the professional tennis tour. It's about relationships with Ben, my parents, with the childhood friend I would eventually marry, but ultimately with God, who causes all things, even the hard things, to work together for good. You can order a signed and personalized copy for yourself or for your friend who enjoys a good story, loves dogs, sports, or the outdoors, and most of all, needs to hear about God's grace and the gospel. My boy Ben is owned by The Christian Real View. It's 264 pages, hardcover, and retails for twenty-four ninety-five. To order, go to thechristianworldview.org, or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. <laughs> Welcome back to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianrealview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Now to the interview with columnist Robert Knight as he discusses fascist playbook rule number one, accusing the opposition of what you're doing, exemplified by President Biden and his administration. Robert, thank you for coming on the Christian Worldview radio program today. In the lead up to the first question I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to provide a little bit of context. Back in, I think it was 2008, then President Obama said the following quote. He said, you go into these small towns in Pennsylvania, and like a lot of towns, a lot of small towns in the Midwest, the jobs have been gone now for 25 years, and nothing's replaced them. And they fell through the Clinton administration and the Bush administration. And each successive administration has said that somehow these communities are going to regenerate, and they have not. And here's the quote that many will remember. And it's not surprising that these people, these kind of working class people, that they get bitter. They cling to guns or religion or antipathy toward people who aren't like them or anti-immigrant sentiment or anti-trade sentiment. As a way to explain their frustrations, that was back in 2008-2009 period from President Obama. and that, that created a lot of just criticism of him for you know saying that for working- class, small-town America-type people. And people still remember that today. That, that was what was said back then. And then you had Hillary Clinton kind of up the ante. A number of years later, I don't remember the year of this, but it was somewhere, I think, in the campaign, maybe in 2016, against President Trump when she said this
3: You could put half of Trump's supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs>
4: right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name
3: it.
1: Okay, so that was the updated version of what President Obama had said that, you know, half of Trump voters are a basket of deplorables. Now, fast forward to just recently, Robert, within the last two or three weeks, the FBI, the federal government, has made a raid on former President Trump's home in Florida. Never been done before in the history of the country raiding a past president's home. Then, within about a week later... President Biden called those who support or those who voted for Trump, he called them. Actually, I'm going to read the quote. This is from the week online publication. Biden said at a fundraiser that former President Donald Trump's most staunch supporters are, and this is a quote, a threat to our very democracy, unquote, because they still refuse to accept the result of the 2020 presidential election and implicitly endorse political violence by criticizing the investigation of the Capitol attack by a mob of Trump supporters. Biden said the same group is attacking the FBI as it faces threats for searching Trump's home for mishandled top secret documents. That's according to The Week. Here's the quote. It's not just Trump, Biden said. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the, I'm going to say something, it's like semi-fascism. So now he's calling those who supported Trump semi-fascists. One more thing, Robert. Then, just in the last five, six days, he gave a speech in Philadelphia requesting nationwide network television coverage for the speech. He wasn't granted in all cases, but it was on a couple of the networks, I believe. There was this bizarre red lighting. There was two U.S. Marines standing behind him, making this angry and threatening speech toward literally the 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump in the last election. I'm just going to play a tiny bit of what he said in that speech. Tucker Carlson had a a lead into it and played some of the audio. So I'm just going to play his preceding comments to it in about a minute of that speech of what he said so listeners can get an understanding of the kind of rhetoric he was spewing in this speech. Donald
0: Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. The Republican Party today is dominated, driven and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country.
1: Okay, Robert, I'm sorry for the long lead into the question, but I think it's important to get some context about where this has come from and where it is currently. And just to be very clear, the Christian Worldview Radio Program is not an arm of the Republican Party. We don't even consider ourselves Republican. We do worldview analysis, trying to bring a biblical perspective to the issues of our day. So this isn't a us versus them type situation here. But we do want to analyze what's taking place in the country as to where this might be going. So, Robert, you've been a keen political observer for many years from a conservative standpoint. Has there ever been any political speech like this? Not just that speech, but the way it's been going recently in U.S. history, vilifying not just a a politician, Robert, because that happens. They criticize each other back and forth, but literally just the mainstream of a political party, those who supported Donald Trump, calling them semi-fascist and a threat to our very country.
4: This actually reminds me of the rhetoric employed by Adolf Hitler during the 1930s when he vilified Jewish people in Germany, accusing them of undermining the German nation, uh, making them out to be uh, full of anger, violence, hate and division. And by the way, that's a quote from Joe Biden on Labor Day about MAGA Republicans. He said they were full of anger, violence, hate and division. And of course, they are nothing of the sort. He's projecting uh, what he and the Democratic Party have been inflicting on the country. It wasn't Republicans who rioted in more than 200 cities during the 2020 summer and burned down police stations, killed a number of people, caused $2 billion in damage. That wasn't Republicans doing that, or mega-Republicans, if you want to be specific. And they're not the ones going around accusing half the nation of fomenting division, this is Joe Biden, who supposedly was going to be our unity president. This is Joe Biden unleashed. I think it's the real guy showing what he's really all about. I think the unity talk was fake. It fooled enough people to get him elected. But now the Democrats have control of both branches of the elected Congress And the uh, White House, he's unleashing this incredible attack on half of his fellow Americans. David, I've never seen anything like it in American history, even after the Civil War. I mean, you had Abraham Lincoln talking about unity, even after 600,000 people had died in the Civil War. But here we are in peacetime in America, and you have the President of the United States basically slandering Anyone who disagrees with him and his party's intentions, I hope it's a wake-up call. I, I don't think he'll get away with it. I know it's meant to intimidate people. In fact, this is right out of the playbook of communist dictators, too, with the, especially the motif with the red lighting, the Marines providing a militaristic background, the angry rhetoric, basically he's saying, do not resist. Don't even question what you regard as election irregularities. Don't question any of our policies, whether it's COVID-19 mandates, lockdowns, whatever, or we'll come after you. I mean, the American people have to throw off this regime and they have to do it in everyday ways of resisting the authoritarianism that Joe Biden now represents Mm -hmm. and what he accuses others of doing. Robert Knight with us today here
1: on The Christian Real View. He's a columnist for the Washington Times. He also has a brand new book. We'll get into that a little later in the interview today. Robert, it's broader though than President Biden. If it were just one man, it would be one thing. But this is the entire, really those who support President Biden, I believe this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to play that as the next soundbite here, just to give an idea of how the press, at least the, the left-leaning press, reacted to this speech in Philadelphia where he ridiculed and criticized and vilified those who voted for trump here's just a compilation of some of the media reaction in favor of the rhetoric that president biden was speaking
2: president biden gave a really strong speech and and i loved it i i, I believe everything he said it was an urgent wartime address And something else that really stuck out to me is that he almost seemed to sort of be reclaiming patriotism. If you look
3: up Mm -hmm. fascism
2: in the dictionary, you're going to find all of those
1: things. So I'm really not sure what the Republicans are all upset about other than the fact that it was named.
4: Obviously, Republicans, I think, are the biggest threat to democracy. We don't separate right-wing extremists and Republican Party anymore.
2: Hillary Clinton told the truth when he said, she said that there were um, deplorable people in the Republican Party supporting Donald Trump. And they were he was exciting, a lot of racism and, mis- and misogyny and bigotry.
3: The Republicans who were like, oh, he's calling us fascist. If you're not a fascist, he's not talking about you. So <laughs> lighten
1: up. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, it's, it's not just one man here. It's those who are controlling him. I'm not sure he, if he's the actual one in charge. He's the figurehead, but there, there's people behind the scenes. He's clearly not mentally proficient as he was at an earlier time in his life, being older. And that's completely understandable what happens when you get older. So there's some huge network behind him that's pushing him in this direction. And so the question is, is Biden and the Democrats, are they simply speaking to their own base, Robert? In other words, they don't care to alienate millions of other Americans because they believe they have a majority and they're just trying to rev up their own side to create this us versus them
4: dynamic. I think the their real purpose is to intimidate Americans to not resist the regime. This is why the January 6th committee keeps going along with its kangaroo court, indicting people, some of whom just sort of blundered into the Capitol and wandered around, basically saying, if you are identified as protesting against this regime, we will come after you wherever you are. This is a classic Marxist tactic. And I do see a threat of Marxism throughout this administration's activities. Uh, They wouldn't call themselves Marxists, of course, that might repel too many Americans, but their policies and their methods are clearly Marxists. One thing Marxists always do is try to deprive a people of their history and heritage. If you get them to forget what they're made of, it's easier to manipulate them. And the Marxists in charge of the educational establishment, the media, the entertainment industry have been denigrating America making young people think that it's just a uniquely racist place that has to be overhauled completely. Another Marxist tactic, and you see it constantly, is the change in language. They're constantly changing terms. I mean, abortion became choice. Then it became reproductive freedom. Then it became reproductive health care to make it seem like something positive. You can go down the list. Uh, You know, homosexuality became gay, of course. But I think the the most telling phrase they use now is hate or hater. That's how they characterize anyone who disagrees uh, with something the left is proposing. Uh, Another word is denier. Uh, If you believe, based on the ton of evidence, uh, that there were irregularities in the 2020 election and that the FBI was active in skewing the election toward Joe Biden and away from Donald Trump, you're an election denier. If you believe that the science isn't settled on climate change and that more needs to be investigated and that you don't accept computer models as the be-all and end-all, you're a climate denier. In this way, they separate people and make them the deplorables that Hillary Clinton talked about. There are good people, good people full of compassion and who follow the science. And then there are the deplorables. And now Joe Biden has upped it, talking about those who would foment anger, violence, hate and division. (laughs) It's kind of scary what they're doing. And I hope the American people can see through this.
1: Okay, we have more with Washington Times columnist Robert Knight next week. And we would encourage you to subscribe to his free weekly column you can just email him robert knight with the number four at gmail.com or the link is at our website org. a brief break here and then general michael flynn coming up next on the christian Worldview. david wheaton here inviting you to the christian world golf event on monday september 19th at woodhill country club in wyzetta minnesota this is a rare opportunity to experience woodhill with its immaculate condition, challenging greens, and beautiful setting, all in support of the Christian Worldview Radio Ministry. Your registration includes lunch on the lawn, practice range, player gift, and 18 holes with cart, followed by appetizers and awards. Make a hole-in-one on number 16, and you'll take home a brand new Chevy. Bring your foursome, or we can fit you into a group. There are lots of hole-sponsor opportunities as well. We hope to see you on Monday, September 19th. Registration deadline is Labor Day. To find out more and to register, visit thechristianworldview.org or call one 646 2233 That's one 646 2233 or thechristianworldview.org. For a limited time, we are offering My Boy Ben for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. The book is the true story of a yellow lab that I had back when I was competing on the professional tennis tour. It's about relationships with Ben, my parents, with a childhood friend I would eventually marry, but ultimately with God, who causes all things, even the hard things, to work together for good. You can order a signed and personalized copy for yourself or for your friend who enjoys a good story, loves dogs, sports or the outdoors and most of all, needs to hear about God's grace and the gospel. My Boy Ben is owned by The Christian Realview. It's 264 pages, hardcover, and retails for $24.95. To order, go to thechristianrealview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for joining us today on The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton, the host. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianworldview.org. Transcripts and short takes are also available. General Michael Flynn was a lieutenant general in the U.S. Army for 33 years. He fought battles and wars in Grenada, in the Middle East, and elsewhere. He was also the U.S. National Security Advisor to President Donald Trump. If you do an internet search for Michael Flynn, you will be told he's an enemy of America, despite all the evidence to the contrary. He's going to explain why the left and the federal government relentlessly vilifies him, and why his mission is to promote individual freedoms. He's a Roman Catholic, and while there will be important points of theological difference with the Christian worldview Radio Ministry... We share the belief that patriotic Americans need to stand up and speak up for the values and individual liberties of the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution that made this country great. General Flynn, thank you for coming on the Christian Worldview radio program today. I'd like to... Talk about the repression of individual liberties and freedoms that is taking place in this country. The left would deny that, of course, but there is a growing authoritarianism today. It's take the covid Mm -hmm. shot or you lose your job or you can't travel or you can't do these things. Don't question the party in power, uh, whether the elections, what took place in the Capitol breach in January 6th. If there was any federal government involvement, don't question that. Uh, Don't question the transgender lie that you can change your gender. Uh, Don't post content online against approved narrative or you'd be banned from social media, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. And as I prep for this interview, General, almost everything I read about you online cast you in a negative light, at at least in the first several pages of of Google, that that you're a, a Christian nationalist in the most pejorative way. You're a QAnon supporter. You're a Russian sympathizer. Everything I read, I mean, it's just really incredible, was was pejorative, was vilifying you as a person. I'll just read one example from PBS Frontline. Quote, Flynn is spearheading the attack on our democracy, which is coming from many quarters. And he is affiliated with many of these sectors from the military to Christian nationalism to election denial to extremist groups, she said. I want to qualify that by saying I don't take anything as fact from those who tell us that girls can become boys or men can become pregnant, that killing a baby is so-called health care, that we're to take pride in what God calls sin and abomination, and that those who oppose the left that we're now semi fascists Why does the mainstream media and the left so vilify you?
3: Well, I think the, the, the straight answer, uh, David, is they fear what they can't control. And uh, and they definitely uh, have never been able to figure out how to stop me, and they've tried, uh, from uh, believing in America, believing in the goodness of America, believing in the principles and values that America was created upon. Uh, I have, I've said this very straightforward, you know, our nation was built upon a set of Judeo-Christian principles and values, and we should be fearless about what we believe. Even in all of the RussiaGate um, investigations, despite the, the incredible level of persecution I was I was put through, they never found even a, a unpaid parking ticket in the in their investigations. It, it got to the a point where threats against you and your family, and so you know I I tell people I made decisions based on what was really the right thing for my family, and I. You know, and I always tell people, too, that my wife and I, we met when we were 13 years old. We've been together, married now for going on 42 years. Hmm. Um, You know, so you don't live a life like I've lived and been blessed to live, been honored to to be, you know, to be on this earth and to live in a time like this. They attack what they cannot control. And I'm not going to be bashful about what I believe in. And what I do see and what I did see in while I was in service, and certainly in my time around the country, as I saw corruption up close and personal, I saw the rise of communism and socialism in other countries around the world. I saw the infiltration of uh, particularly uh, communist ideologies into the fabric of America while I was in service. And then, of course, uh, what we've learned in the last decade is just extraordinary, particularly the Chinese Communist Party. I want people that, that, that listen to your show to understand that the idea of Christianity is under assault. And I think that uh, it's under assault because the the side that we are up against, the, the opposition that we face is an opposition that is godless and, uh, and frankly soulless. And they don't have the type of consciousness that we, uh, that I got a kid like me. Like I said, I'm an Irish Catholic kid. I'm a follower uh, of Jesus. I, I uh, don't wear it on my sleeve. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to force somebody to believe in something that they don't want to believe in, but I, but I, I believe in what I believe in. And I just know from my father, uh, teaching me and all of us that there's no atheist in a foxhole. And uh, when you're on the battlefield, believe me, I, I didn't know the, the guys, you know, the, you know, the religion, I didn't question the religion of the guys around me. But when we went out to, to go do some type of operation, believe me, trust me. We would all pray, we, you know maybe maybe one of the guys in the unit would say a short prayer, or maybe the chaplain would come out and say a short prayer. Nobody was saying well i don't you know I don't believe in this or I don't believe in that or all this other craziness that we're up against today. nobody you know was whining about whether they felt like they were a a, a, a he they she we where were whatever the whatever the the right you know phraseology is that the left wants to force us to choose these days. nobody cared about that what we cared about was each other, we cared about. Uh, coming back alive. We cared about accomplishing the mission. We cared about the team and the people. Uh, we cared about each other. That's sort of who who I am and what I believe.
1: General Michael Flynn with us today on the Christian Worldview. General, you have extensive experience both in the military and in government. What do you see as some of the challenges, some of the biggest challenges our nation is facing today?
3: You know, we do have two fundamental challenges that our nation's facing. And I, you know, I, I won't spend time going through the litany of problems from, you know, border invasion to, to the scourge of narcotics on the streets to, you know, the the wasteful, you know, amounts of money that we're spending. I mean, what we have is we have a national security, a ma- massive national security problem. And we have a uh, a government reform requirement. You know, when we talk about domestic and international issues, you know, our, our ability to be able to deal with international issues for many years has always been uh, something I think the United States was always it was sort of a point of pride from a from a U.S. perspective. We could we could talk the talk and, you know, and, and walk the walk and internationally. But now that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like we are very weak and that's so sort of the national security side the the government reform side, our government and most people don't know, David, but in the last two decades, our government has grown federal government has grown by like five times its size mm. that it was at the turn of the century right things like the department of homeland security did not exist on the 10th of september of 2001 right Nine eleven created a lot of things and frankly our our federal government took advantage of uh of something that i think we now are living with in many cases and and when we see this overreaching federal government into the lives of everything that we're doing, but I think if there's one thing that I, that I really do uh, worry about is I worry about our children uh, and the future of our children. You know, I have children and I have grandchildren. The reason why I'm coming up there is basically to continue to promote our basic rights that we have as U.S. citizens, our, our, our ability to freely speak about the things that we want to speak about. Without you know, without hurting people, right? I mean, without physically hurting somebody or psychologically hurting somebody, but just speaking our mind about what we believe to be true. And in this case, it's health freedom, uh, and that's what I'll be speaking about primarily. But I'll also be speaking about just our freedoms in general that we are that are at risk, as you, as you highlighted in the in your sort of opening question there to me. Guys like me and 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 people like yourself, because you have a platform. You know, we exist uh, to to be honest. To be to maintain our integrity to to protect the rights that we uh, espouse that we want to have so so you can speak freely when you uh, speak to the you know to the Christian worldview and you speak to your audience you want to be able to to say what you believe and, and you want to be able to do that with without uh, without too much you know, too many restrictions and and that's really what I'm about I'm about a you know I'm, I'm leveraging my platform that that uh, that I've been blessed to have and I thank God that I have it uh, to protect our freedoms and in this case this specific case coming up there to help out Tyler Braze who's a terrific person yeah. the citizens council for health freedom they they exist to protect patient and doctor freedom david look at what we've learned from foia requests from from uh federal judges who have ruled uh, you know for religious exemptions and health exemptions about the covid and the vaccine and what it does and what's inside of it and they still you know, the CDC just just, uh, had to give up some more evidence, like 800 pages of FOIA requested documents where they're you can see they're colluding with the big pharmaceutical industry and they're colluding with the big tech industry to basically keep from the public things that would actually save people's lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was just reported yesterday, David. So it's time now, if you're an American citizen and you're listening to this show, it's time now to to decide what what you want the destiny of America to be. And that destiny that that we will head toward, it will only be decided upon which path each and every American citizen decides to uh, to walk upon. And uh, now it's time to, you know, stand up and step up and speak up. And if all you can do, if all you can offer is prayer, then pray. Uh, Because I I said, I've said many times, prayer is the most powerful weapon system. But, you know, at a certain point in time, you also have to decide that you have to participate. And if we, the people, want to continue to operate as uh, in a government, in a republic that is the consent of the governed, that's us, we have to participate. This is a participatory nation that we have. We've sort of become complacent, you know, and I I say sort of, we've become complacent. Mm. And I want us to I want us to understand that complacency is can no longer be that way. People have to they've got to decide to participate. And I use the phrase local action has a national impact. The reason why our country was created it is based on a set of values that are principally Judeo-Christian principles and values. And it goes back to the 1500s and 1600s. Reread if you haven't read it, or read for the first time the Declaration of Independence. It's so, well, it Takes you about three minutes to read it if you have it there, but. And it's not just taking a stand for Christianity, it's taking a stand for freedom. And that's a, that is, a, yeah. you know, it's as strong as I can say yeah.
1: it. General Flynn, we, we so appreciate your taking the time to come on the Christian Worldview radio program today. We're looking forward to seeing you on September 15th here in Oakdale, Minnesota. All of God's best as you continue to stand up and speak up for the values that this country was founded upon. Thank you again for coming on the program.
3: Thank you, David. God bless If you're interested in hearing
1: General Michael Flynn speak at the Citizens Council for Health Freedom fundraising event, that's coming up very soon on Thursday, September 15th in Oakdale, Minnesota at 6 p.m. Go to cchfreedom.org to find out more. And tickets need to be purchased by this Sunday, September 11th. Thank you for joining us today on the Christian Worldview. In just a moment, there will be all kinds of information on this nonprofit radio ministry. We live in a challenging world, but Jesus Christ and His Word are the same yesterday and today and forever. So until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm.